Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe Podcast Network, and that is, of course, why the name reads as Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Uh, I would never ask anyone to just believe in a podcast about comedy news, and I also would not spell it B-L-E-A-V. Uh, that is just how they choose to spell it because they think they're really cool. Um, anyways, enough of that. Uh, on to another uh, great guest, another one of my favorites, uh, a, a great stand-up comedian who's been uh, in L.A. for quite some time and somebody you can see on HBO Latinos, uh, Entrenos, uh, coming later this month. Uh, Chris Estrada, everybody. What's up, Jake? Hey, Chris. What's Good going on? to see ya. You know, it, we're recording uh, this app on election day, and uh, I'm I am not tense, but I am ruminating on the isolation and uh, loneliness that I've been imbued with in all of quarantine. Yeah, I feel the same way. You know, it's funny. It's like um, it's really interesting, and I think it's because. This election feels even more heightened and angst-driven because of quarantine. So there's like a real lack of community. I yeah. remember when uh, I remember when uh, when Trump got elected mm-hmm. in 2016. The next that that night, I was at an open mic, mm-hmm. and even though none of us at the mic, like there was a group of us that stayed and talked afterwards, even though none of us were were like Trump people. Right. There was a collective misery in that we all, at least we were all together. Right. And we can all be like, you know, you didn't feel lonely in your misery. You just felt like, oh, my friend's just as dumbfounded by this. Right. And my other, like, there's these group of people I'm around with. Uh And then we started sort of making jokes, but it still felt like weird. But- What open mic was that? Echoes? It was at a clubhouse mic. Oh, it was a clubhouse mic? Oh, wow. It was a clubhouse okay. mic. All right, so that means like I, pretty much everyone was on the same page because I went yeah. to two different shows that night. One was at the Improv Lab, and it was supposed to be a stand-up show, but they started projecting the returns on a screen, and then oh, wow. er- everybody just started commenting on that. And yeah. then Ramon Rivas came on stage, and he was like, "Yo, the Canadian immigration site just crashed, y'all!" And like, it just <laughs> sucked the air out of the room so much. <laughs> That is hilarious. Yeah, that is funny. Yeah, no, I was at this mic and it was a very like, just kind of like everybody was like wowed and kind of like, um, there was an ominous feeling to everyone. Right. And then, but at least you were together. And as opposed to now, it's like now you're kind of like by yourself and like you're just like, you know, it's funny because, you know, if you're, if the person you, if the person you're going for wins, you're celebrating by yourself. And right. if the person right. you're going for loses, you're right. sad by yourself. <laughs> right, right. It's all yeah, just lonely. Yeah, it sucks. Cause I remember I was, uh, the day after I went to a show at the Virgil that mm-hmm. Elena Glazer was hosting. It was supposed to, you know, effectively be like a victory lap for Hillary and like supporters. Yeah. And it was like an all female lineup. It was really great. It was like Emily Heller and Nicole Byer, Sabrina Jolies. And, um, I remember it being packed. Yeah. And I remember you could feel how heavy the air was with how, I mean, people like those first few days after he won, 
mm-hmm. people are just like, I, I don't like, is everything over? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And you could feel that in the room, but what was nice is that we were all there together. together. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we don't have that right now. So yeah, I know. What a weird a, what a weird time for all this to be going on. I mean, what a fuck what a great it's so funny because it's been the most eventful and uneventful year at the same time. It's oh, like sure. Like it's so uneventful like, because, yeah, we're all in quarantine. We're not seeing each other. Nobody's celebrating anything. But then these huge things are happening. I mean, there's literally, you know, 200,000 Americans died because of COVID. Right. You, you have an election. You have just things in comedy that happen, like right. that, you know, in regards to all that Me Too stuff. And you're oh, like, oh, sure. Yeah. Chris Delia got taken down. James Veach got taken down. Frank uh, um, Allen. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, Comedians getting COVID, like the idea of like the comedy as, you know, a business, as an industry, as an art form, like having to be upended and being changed, like, because, you know, comedy is going to be one of the live, especially stand up is going to be one of the last things to come back. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like, I, I try to keep in touch with, with comics and comedy people because- Like, look, at the end of the day, I'm not going to fool myself. I don't think comedy is the most important thing in the world. Sure. <laughs> you know, but it is something that I love doing. Right. It is something I love being a part of. Right. And it's, it sucks. And I know there's people who have devoted their lives like you, yeah. like other uh, uh, comedians. Like, there's just, and it's like, what a tough thing. I mean, like, it's like. Look, I wanted to come back and I wanted to come back safely or there's occasional few live shows here and there that are done outdoors that feel relatively safe. Mm-hmm. I like those. Those are fun. I, I have a feeling that comedy will have to learn to adjust to oh, yeah. the times we're living in. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to start seeing more outdoor shows. Right. Um, right. However, I think that's going to affect I think that's going to affect comedians because the pool of mm-hmm. picking comedians right. is going to be a lot more narrow. Right. And right. it's, it's not going to be, I don't think it's ever been completely fair, but it's definitely not going to be the most fair now. Sure. Well, do you like, how specifically do you see things? Well, you know, I, I, I think if there's outdoor shows, people want to go, let me put people on that. I know who, who maybe their name has some buzz. Right. Right. Or, right. right their name has some buzz or you know they, they're a bigger person they're they're a certified headliner they have a special they have stuff like that so which is great for them mm-hmm. but also you know that i i think the idea of like taking a chance on a comic that maybe you don't know as much right that's gonna be hard yeah that's it's a sheer numbers game because the volume of shows is you know so so far little like much less than it used to be there's just less stage time to go around yeah Uh, but i think that's what's gonna i think that's what's gonna happen i think you'll start seeing more and more shows and i think people will just go look i think at some point we have to learn how to live with this and like Mm -hmm. try to live some sense of normalcy while also all for being safe you know right right Um, I, I did a show that you were at a few yep. days ago and that felt pretty safe. Like the right. host wore a, wore a mask the whole time and they disinfected the mic. 
all the audience yeah. wore masks and yeah. they were in bleachers so everybody could distance and it, it was outside yeah i yeah. thought those guys i thought the people who threw that show did a really good job and it felt like it, it felt cool felt loose it still felt like a show but it felt loose and right it was, it was fun i mean i think yeah I'm, i've been tempted to i've been tempted i'm like should i start one should i look at a park like kind of follow that model that they did sure. Yeah, bleachers and because I just think to myself like one I miss you know there's the selfish side of me that's like wants to do it for myself right. but also yeah. I'm like I don't know is is it would it would it be fun for just the community to have this you know right and the answer is yes I mean I think that's the lot of the drive for mo the majority of these shows actually whether they're the outdoor shows or the live stream shows is yeah. you know like there's only a very small small fraction of comedy shows that are happening right now that are like viable money makers you know and those are for people that were already famous that already were are were and are and will be fine yeah um because that's it's funny you know what i was saying thinking <laughs> as a joke I, I i was thinking um i i thought nothing would be worse for comedy than trump turns out i was wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah Oh yeah, man. Just yeah. I thought Trump was bad for comedy. Turns out comedy was actually a lot better with Trump. Trump and comedy in COVID is no comedy at all. No, no, and yeah, there were. I mean, we, we both know plenty of comedians who are very funny and they were working and all that, and they just like straight up. Oh, all right, I'm just like taking a break. Like I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna write it. I'm just gonna yeah. like take this time to like reflect and like work on myself. Yeah. And so that's crazy. valid. And I get it. I mean, it's so hard. I mean, there, you know, plenty of comedians who uh, it's how they identify themselves. It's in their DNA that they have to do comedy somehow, some way. But then there are a lot of people who it's like, I mean, I don't know if you've come up against this, but like at various times in quarantine, you feel like dumb for even trying whatever you're trying. Yes. Because like, it seems futile. Yeah, especially like after George Floyd got murdered, you know, like, why, why would I, even, I don't feel funny. I don't want to be funny. Yeah. And we're all combating that as well, you know, yeah. and we know people want to laugh, but it's just like, yeah, what's, we, we, we're at a loss too, you know? Yeah, I get that. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I don't know. I, th I think, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic that the beginning of the year, things will start rolling. I, I don't think they'll be completely normal, but I think you'll see things start sort of, because by this time you've had people live out more than half of a year with this. Yeah. So I think what you're going to see is people go, okay, I think I know how to live with this shit. You know, right. I think I know, I think I know how to do this without getting it or having good chances of not getting it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I'm like there cause I'm somebody who, like I go out quite a bit. Like I've kind of gone out every day in quarantine. I mean, sometimes it might be just to like check my PO box. Yeah. But like, I, you know, routinely go to the grocery store and run errands. Now I'm not like going and sitting at restaurants where they're not distancing tables like very far. And like, yeah. yeah um, like I, I'm very cautious about stuff that happens indoors. And 
I mean, I've, but also like I've gone to protests and I've gone to rallies. I've gone to like a bunch of them. Yeah. And, you know, people are all wearing masks and they're distanced. And so yeah. I felt pretty good about that. And yeah. like, I, I haven't, you know, I came up negative when I got a test. Yeah. I've been attending, I'm a little bit different. I've been attending nothing but COVID parties. It's where oh, yeah. we're hoping to get it. Right. We're oh, those <laughs> exclusive mansions? Mansion yeah. parties? Mansion parties. Uh, we all make out. We oh, all cool. we, we all sneeze in each other. Right. You know, we're all right. coughing on each other. I'm really hoping to get it. I uh, think it'll raise my profile. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, because you want to be on that vulture list of celebrities that, like, got COVID, right? Yeah, I want to, yeah, I want to be on that list of up-and-coming comedians who are dying from COVID. <laughs> right. Like, it, like, if you made a video of, like, I, hey, I got COVID and I'm just here quarantining and I'm staying yeah. strong. Like, if you want that video to not be dog shit and no one to yeah. watch it, you got to be famous. <laughs> I, I got to be on a list. I got to, I got to be on Vulture's list. I want them to know that I got it and, I'm, <laughs> and I might die. Because you've gone to these parties and you haven't gotten infected, um, do you feel devalued? I do. I, I, it makes me think of JFL. I go, well, it makes me think, why didn't I get it? Do I, <laughs> do I not deserve it? Right. Do I, it makes me think of new faces, you know? It makes me think, why didn't I get it? Will I get it next year? Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. What do, yeah, what do I got to do? I, do I have to work out less? Do I have to, like, weaken my immune system more? Like, do I have to weaken my immune system? Yeah, do I have to, you know, cheat on my girlfriend with random strangers? Like, do, do I have to go to areas with, with a lot of, you know, with a high number of cases? You might have to go to some Trump rallies, dude. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go. I'm telling you, it, it makes me feel left out. It makes me feel like a comedy list. I go, great. Ahmed Weinberg got it and I didn't? Yeah. Classic. <laughs> classic. Classic, classic, classic. Oh, man. People are just going to keep – that's, that's going to be a new line that everybody just says. Like, Ahmed Weinberg got it and I didn't. I didn't. Classic, of course. Mm. Um, just another thing to make him interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ahmed is one of those comics that will at some point have a roast done of him, whether he likes it or not. And I feel yeah. like that is just a roast joke waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, great. Just another thing that made him interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Man. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Do you want to get into some news and we'll get back to, I, I really want to hear about this uh, HBO special that you're sharing with Ian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ian Lara, is that how you say Ian it? Ian Lara, yeah, he's really yeah. funny comedian from New York, Dominican dude, uh, cool. Dominican-American dude, really just a, uh, I mean, super funny guy. Yeah. It, it, it was great to do it. He's a New York guy. They paired us because they thought we have both pretty like joke, tight joke styles. Right. And that guy's so tight. Just yeah. really funny guy. Really funny cool, guy. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, um, we'll get to that in just a minute, but we'll, let's do some news. Yeah. Uh, and I want to run through these really quick because, like, these have nothing to do with the election. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll just see what your take is. I, I mean, what's interesting, so all these news items for this week are all like series orders. And as you know, we've been going through all these months of quarantine, um, studios and networks keep ordering shows. And I wonder like, when the fuck is any of these, are any of these going to get made? Um, like, regardless of what the content, because the productions are starting to happen, have been happening, but they keep getting paused because somebody in the crew gets COVID. And then they have to deal with that. And, uh, you know, it's just like, that's why so many shows are going animated or there are so many audio series. So we'll see. But I think there's, you know, sort of interesting thread with a couple of these. Um, I want to start off with, so a- ABC is developing this deportation comedy called Borderline. I, I read the article, hilarious. Right. Uh, single camera project from a good place writer named Chris Ensel. And it, 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 <laughs> I mean, do you feel pandered to with this premise of after Goody Two Shoes Steve falls for Reckless Maria, their whirlwind romance is cut short when she gets deported. Now they must decide whether to bail on the potential love of their lives or take a leap of faith and get married. Can two completely different people who barely know each other live happily ever after? Absolutely not, but they're going to try. I mean, when I saw that, dude, I just said, I said, I don't think this is necessarily funny. I think this is hilarious that they're going to make a show out of this. I right. look, I don't, I don't necessarily give a shit either way. But what does make me laugh at about it is that I think the reason that some of these, uh, I think these networks they want to make a show for Latino people to watch right. and they want to get Latino eyeballs. But I think that what they're doing is. They're thinking that all Latinos somehow have a have ties to being undocumented, and I think the thing that gets proven time and time again is that Latinos are not a monolith, you no, know. So you know you got Puerto Ricans who don't have to deal with any of these issues, you know, and then you have even Cubans who don't deal with who you know get citizenship as soon as they get here. So, right. and then you have conservative Latinos who don't agree with the dream act and stuff like that. So it's really interesting. I mean, it just, when I saw it, it cracked me up. I was just like, I was, I was like, if, if uh, we have a friend, um, you and me have a mutual friend, Johan Miranda, who's yeah. undocumented. Right. I go, if the only reason I want this show to go is so he can get a fucking job on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe, maybe get his solo show adapted into a series. Cause I think that was so the idea of Johan's solo show, which is like re- the like reasons I should be deported, yes, is so great, yeah. and like he sticks true to it. Like, and I think that's it's both genuine and it's engaging versus like this dreamt up like. I mean, if so much of this that premise is like placating. Like, let's placate like broad mainstream audiences, white audiences, and like pander to what we yeah. think. Let you know people want to watch. Yeah, and it's you know it's just like funny to me because I just think to myself I'm like, look, I'm a firm believer that you can make most things funny, you right. know, and and mo- most things you can make them funny for a for a select amount of people who are into a certain type of humor. But mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. I just I I don't based off of the log line alone. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think this will be funny. Because <laughs> what makes me laugh about the logline is that there's n- inherently no twist to it. There's no right. like sense of irony. It's right. just too good, good to one gets deported. That's 
that's situational. That's not like a twist on anything. No, 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 not at all. It cracks no. me up. I mean, I want, I do want Johan to get a writing job on this and right. I want to find if I can star in this as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you, yeah, you could be like, uh, what, what would your role be? They would cast you as like a coyote or something? Yeah, like a co yeah, coyote that smuggles people over here. Or you know what I would like to, I, I can, I, I could be a sellout ICE agent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. could be like a Latino ICE agent that's like people accused of being a sellout. They, right. I want to play a bad guy. Oh, yeah. Hey, shout out to anyone who wants to feel worse right now. Go watch Immigration Nation on Netflix and just feel the worst. Oh, I know. So I saw that. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, if that doesn't get you infuriated. I over, know. Yeah. It's awful. But, uh, you know, if you, if you, <laughs> if you could play one of those characters, that'd be great. Well, you, you know, I, I always joke about this is that my, my, I always joke that my reason to, to get into comedy is not to be a comedian. It's mm -hmm. so I can be casted a, as a Latino detective in a police procedural. Sure. Yeah. Do you have a, Do you have one that you're uh, aiming for over? I mean, because there's so many. You know, I'm thinking NCIS Los Angeles. Uh -huh. I'm thinking, uh, you know, uh, Law and Order SVU. Right. Because right. there is a line in uh, that all Latino detectives in right. those police procedures really usually have. Mm -hmm. It's something similar to this: is when they're dealing with a with a Latino criminal, and that criminal calls him a sellout. Uh -huh. And he and then the Latino detective says something like, "Fuck you, man! I didn't leave the barrio. The barrio left me." <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, I didn't betray the barrio. The barrio betrayed me. You know, I think that might have to shift. That that I actually just had this idea. It'd be interesting. All these procedurals, especially something like Law and Order, where they like uh, are very on topic. Um, yeah. Like I, I imagine they're all gonna have like a defund the police episode. That's right. And like, there's one of the one of the detectives is just going to be related to an an activist, and they that's that is so funny. That is man, that's fucking great. That's hilarious. He, he he's gonna one of the detectives is gonna have a a Gen Z niece that yeah. they absolutely hate that they yeah. consider too woke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I when you said defund the police, I was thinking about this that uh, I I did a joke not too long ago on a Zoom show, which is that. The reason defund the police is so problematic is I, I agree with it. But right. the reason that I think it's so problematic is that like uh, if you want because you need you need mothers and suburban moms to get on board. Sure. And so they, they should rebrand it and call it refund the police. Because right. if anything, if if a suburban mom loves anything is getting refunds and keeping receipts. Yeah. It's like if you just frame it in a way that fits their lifestyle, they right. go, yeah, you know what? We are giving them too much money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, it, that is, it, it does kind of come down to catchphrases. I mean, like saying, uh, you know, reallocating resources from law enforcement to essential services is not catchy. It's not catchy. I mean, if anything, that's what like MAGA taught everyone is right. that like i mean i guess you could even say hope the obama right uh, catchphrase was that as well but more so maga than anything because it's like it, it's an acronym right. it's uh you know it 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 almost it represents like a lifestyle yeah. it's a pop song you know yeah. it it sounds it sounds 
like it says, it's saying something, but it's not really saying anything at all. Right. And it's yeah. just, it's so short. Absolutely. You could put it on a fucking hat. Yeah. 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 Just like, so one of my main like issues that has always concerned me for a long time, even, you know, this is like, you know, even going on to like Bush years is campaign finance reform. Yeah. Because rich people buy elections, that's undeniable. And the amount of money that people spend on elections, 14 billion projected this year. Think about that, how much of that money that purely goes to campaigning uh, could have gone to, you know, solving homelessness. I know. Or like, you know, giving kids it during the pandemic, like uh, resources to actually do proper online educate, like anything. I know. And so crazy. the thing is, campaign finance reform doesn't sound sexy. No, it doesn't. Eat, eat the rich does. Eat the rich does, yeah. But the problem about eat the rich is that it, the, I mean, they should rightfully be attacked, but they now they feel attacked, the rich. So yeah. it, it's hard to get rich people, it's hard to tell Jeff Bezos to agree with you when you have a, when you have a guillotine outside his mansion. Right, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's hard. And it's like, look, it, whether you want it or not, I think you gotta. That guy has way more resources to not agree with you. Oh yeah. So you can't you can't really force him. So the idea is, I think me personally is like, well, there should be a way to reach out to him mm -hmm. to get him to agree with you, as opposed to like intimidation. Because mm -hmm. if you're just, look, he the resources he has is insane. Oh I, yeah. I do want to say this though. Um, if Jeff if Jeff Bezos does listen to this, uh -huh. uh, I do I do consider him to be our future supreme leader. Sure. And uh, as a comedian, I don't have many skills. Right. But I could use a you know I could be used as a snitch as somebody sure. who you know who says oh hey I, I just heard my girlfriend talking shit about you uh -huh. you know come and get her. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. At that micro level, I was thinking like you would snitch out on the Washington Post or like Whole Foods, any other acquisitions, but okay. I'm going petty and personal. I'm, Got it. You know, I'm yeah. just like, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah, Bezos might be up for that. I mean, he divorced his wife for, uh, oh, God. I mean, it, that's so hack that you would go for a weather girl. I know, it's so funny. It's so but fucking funny. Being so the richest man in the world, you don't even want to like try to like emulate a Bond life. Not that that is like not problematic, yeah. but like, yeah. dude, that's what you joke. want. Yeah, for the sake of a joke, a weather girl, you couldn't have gone for a for like a supermodel who was also a villain. <laughs> yeah, like you made uh, was it her her name's Mackenzie, right? Mackenzie. Yeah. Yeah. So you made your ex-wife via your divorce, one of the richest people in the world. And you need for the, the most like stereotypical bullshit thing. Yeah. It's hilarious. I love it. Yeah. What a bunch of scumbags. Um, uh, so let me move on to the next news item. Um, I think this is slightly more interesting, maybe has more promise. So Showtime, um, they're developing a dramedy uh, based off of somewhat the life of, and I hope I say this correctly, uh, Lewa Nasserdine, uh, which focuses on um, an Arab mother and her gay son who are both at the same time going through divorce. Mm. I, I, I saw this mm -hmm. and it, when when you sent this to me, I said, 
this actually sounds way more interesting than it sounds way more interesting than than the undocumented like right. deport, deportation show right. because there's nuance in the characters right. so for example in the in the show about the deported couple right. I, I, it was it was just the situation i had no idea who these characters were other than this generic line that they're goody two shoes right but this is great because here i'm getting uh arab's gay son right and, and then an extravagant complicated mother that's right. hilarious Right. And then, and then later on, they called it an odd couple. And right. I just said, yeah, that is, this sounds really, yeah, this sounds like it could potentially be really funny and interesting. Yeah, it sounds very, very compelling. I wonder if there's an indirect or direct result of like Rami in its two seasons being like opening the doors for this sort of story and like the nuances of like the Middle Eastern, the Muslim world. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, I think, like, I think when, I think when something like Rami does good, I think people, not, it's not necessarily that they want to replicate it, but they want to go, oh, okay, this is an interesting narrative. Right. Who, who else in the Arab world, young Arab world, has this, has a different take or just as an interesting narrative or whatever? I mean, that idea is really funny to me. I could just like, just this like. This young dude going through a divorce, mm-hmm. who's gay, which is like you know, and then his mom's a kind of sounds like a ridiculous character, and right. it's like just that's really funny, right? And I mean, I think that's sort of you know proof positive of like, um, if people are sort of generally worried about running out of stories to tell, oh, we're selling the same stories over and over. Well, it's maybe because you're te- you know focusing on the same sort of like heteronormative white yeah you know stories like this yeah. is obviously so much different so many different cultures being brought in you're like oh yeah automatic like i have no idea really what that would be like but i'm very interested in what that would be yeah i think so too i think that's really funny i i i wish i could shit on this like the like the deportation one uh-huh. you know yeah I, I, but this actually sounds good <laughs> like, yeah I'm just, yeah i'm looking uh, i'm looking forward to it uh it's, i'm annoyed it's, yeah there's no well i mean you know who knows when they'll actually get to shoot it uh or you know if it'll get a, even a green light because it's uh, currently in the works yeah but we shall see um yeah i i i hope so definitely i feel like showtime um they they uh, the, this might be an interesting sort of entry with their comedy um slate you know yeah yeah, yeah. I'm I'm currently I'm currently pitching a show. Oh yeah? No, oh, yeah. It's me and uh six friends. We live in New York. Uh-huh. Yeah, we live in New York. We uh-huh. we hang out at a bar. Yeah, what's the bar called? Huh? What's the what's the name of the bar? Um I I I'm not there yet. Oh, in the, okay. Okay. This this is a question that I've gotten during pitch meetings. Uh-huh. And usually when I say I don't have a name for this, they go, leave my office, sir. And, <laughs> and, then, and then I said, well, I'll never come back here again, which right. today say we didn't invite you here in the first place. And, right, then, right, right, right. and I go, there's no reason to be rude. Mm-hmm. There's no reason. Yeah, so, you didn't have to take the claws out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, have you thought past it being six friends? 
I, I haven't. I just thought it's going to be six friends. Uh, it has nothing to do with friends from the 90s. Right. Yeah. Or living single. Or living single or anything like that. But, you know, um, yeah, I just, I just figure it's going to be six or seven friends. And instead of a cafe, it would be a bar. Sure. And, sure. you know, they asked if there was going to be an interesting love triangle. Right. I said, right. I don't know, maybe. Mm -hmm. And they didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. They didn't. They, I was told it doesn't seem like you have an idea, sir. Yeah. <laughs> is this uh, what the, the executive told you or is this what the person at the front desk told you? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it was the gate person. The person who, <laughs> you didn't even get inside. <laughs> I did not get inside. I tried to make it through the first time uh -huh. and they said, uh -huh. you need a pass. And I said, oh, okay, I'll be back. And then I came back again with a costume. And then they said, sir, we know it's you. Yeah. And then I go, yeah. and then they said, well, is the costume not good enough? Because you have the same car. And then, uh, <laughs> then the third time I came back with some dignity and I didn't have a costume. And I said, look, man, can I just pitch you my idea? Right. And then right. He, I said, if you like it, take it up to the bosses. Right. He, you know, he did, he did not like it. And I care for it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and you know he tethered me. Yeah, I'm so sorry, man. You know, yeah. even though you haven't really fleshed out, um, you know, uh, a narrative arc or any character arcs or you know a central conflict, I, you didn't deserve to be tased. I did it. I, I deserve to be heard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I deserve to be heard. I just, oh, said, you know, oh man, what can you do? I was like, look, you guys weren't answering my tweets. What am I supposed mm -hmm. to do? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I totally, totally understand. Well, I hope uh, you get to flesh that out more in the uh, you get an actual pitch meeting. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try. I'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be great, man. I'm sure it'll be great. It'll be great. Yeah, seven friends. Seven to six friends. Seven, seven, seven to six friends. There uh, will be a Phoebe in there, but it has she has nothing to do with the Phoebe from Friends. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, where would it be? Would it be set here? It, it would, I, you know, I'm thinking of somewhere interesting and orthodox. I'm thinking about Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. And yeah. it would be you in Birmingham, Alabama, and then a, a bunch of. Yeah. Like, multicultural people? friends. Oh, multicultural friends. Okay. Okay. Cool. In Birmingham, Alabama. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Unconventional. And we work at a bar. Right. And, you know. I we're fleshing this out, and I think we 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 all work at a bar, right. and we've all committed crimes in our towns, right. and are now in hiding oh. in Birmingham, Alabama, and we're all we have. Right, right. So, okay. are you? Is this like an after-hours bar or whatever? Yeah, it is an after-hours bar. I mean, did did we just create a show? <laughs> we might have just created a show. But it sounds like it. It yeah, sounds yeah. like it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, you you get me Greg Daniels on the phone right now because mm -hmm. he's gonna hear about this. Cool. I don't know if I can get you Greg Daniels, but I'll try. I'm waiting. If not Greg Daniels, <laughs> maybe Chuck Lorre. But I'm afraid he'd make it in a multicam and not a single cam, and then you know who knows. But we'll 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 get stuff rolling. We'll get stuff yeah. rolling. Yeah, we do have to come up. That's with what I need the bureau to do. The name of the bar. This is crucial. Yeah. Um, um, 
We'll we'll think about that more. Last news item. Um, this country, uh, which was a BBC series, is getting an American adaptation uh, directed by Paul Feig and written by Jenny Bix. Um, you know, it seems like it's going to be another sort of mockumentary thing, kind of yeah. like The Office, but even less defined because it's just following people around in their lives. I have not watched the BBC series, This Country. Um, I, I, and obviously, the UK is much, I mean, is much different than the US in a lot of respects. So I, I, I just, I don't know, are we, are we still going to do this thing where we adapt series instead of just bringing them over and showing them in America? Well, you know what's crazy is how long this has actually been going on. Like, I mean, I found out that All in the Family was actually started as a British show. Yeah? Yeah. Isn't that wow. crazy? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So it, it, it's really just interesting that, like, because, you know, I remember thinking to myself, like, the first time I heard of a, of a show from England being adapted into American was, like, The Office. Right. And then I started finding out, oh, this is actually not the, there's been many of these shows for a long time. Like, oh, yeah. It's funny, though, because I, I don't know. I I'll tell you this. Every time I do watch the English version I, of a show, I end up liking it more. Right. Because, I, well, also, it was created in that sort of atmosphere, that sphere, that universe. Yeah. Maybe that's where it's supposed to be. And sort of to trying to translate it culturally, mm -hmm. I mean, you are making a different show. And trying to, like, keep the integrity of what made that original show great and, you know, putting making it palatable or working in like a different environment, different culture is, you know, I, I don't know that the odds are in your favor, really. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, because there are plenty of, like the IT crowd was like a big thing in the UK and then they tried to bring it to the States and that did not go yeah. well. And I yeah. think more recently they tried to do that with um, like Lena Dunham Try to do that with a show called Camping, I think, on HBO, and I don't think that was well received either. This is what I think we should do. What? Our show that we basically okay. came up with together. Uh huh. We should go pitch it in England. Oh yeah, yeah. And then basically just be like, listen, they didn't get it in America. They uh -huh. lack nuance. Right. You know, who would know more than us? We're from there. Right. And then they go. The BBC, it seems perfect for this type of show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I think you, we should so you have to work in, all right, so, I mean, this is like a popular thing that's happening right now. Like, you know, you look at shows like Catastrophe that have Rob Delaney in it or Sharon Horgan being in various American series. Um, so we have to have like a, a cross-cultural sort of like uh, uh, inclusion. Um, uh, so we got to have a British person in the show. That's fair. See, this is interesting. I wanted to do a British show with nothing but American people. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, what, at like, like set in the UK with a bunch of Yanks? Yes. Cool. So what would that be? Um, maybe American friends, a group of friends who hang out at a pub. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, instead of, and instead of Birmingham, Alabama, it's Birmingham, England. Sure, sure, sure. But and do what they spend their time at the pub making fun of, like saying, "Oh, bin liner." I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go replace the bin liner, not in this yeah. trash can. 
uh, or when uh, or they make fun of the english language so some when somebody says hey hey i just uh, like uh the lift is over there which is the what they call elevators our characters would be like it's an elevator you fucking idiot you right. know stuff yeah. like that I mean, you know truthfully truthfully uh russell uh brand uh yeah. his latest special he the, uh, a few years ago back when nermelt was alive um yeah. he like right at, before it closed he did some secret shows trying to develop like the hour for an american audience and i swear to you he spent 20 to 30 minutes just like directly asking the audience so all right so here's what this slang term means in the uk what is it in america like he just did that for like most of the evening yeah that would be most of what my show is <laughs> yeah yeah most of my show actually if the bureau can get a hold of russell brand and see if he wants to get involved in this project mm -hmm. that would be great all right i mean it might take a minute but yeah i'll i'll uh i'll get on that for sure for sure you got it now what do you think about this actual show that's happening uh i mean you know it has Paul Feig attached to direct uh, the and it's going to series at Fox. You know, it's going to be a single cam thing. Looks like it's going to have some mockumentary to it. But I, I mean, this seems to like it has elements of like of shows that have been successful in the past. But that's where I get worried. Is like you know where you're just trying to play it safe with all these like oh, it's a UK series that was really great. And, you know, people have adapted those and that has been successful. And then it's mockumentary. People seem to like that. Yeah. Rather than just having a gut instinct about it being good. I think it's going to be that, which is, it, it's funny because part of me goes, when I heard, when I read this article, I went, oh, this is boring. Like this, this has constantly been doing and they're playing it safe. But then part of me goes, well, if anybody's going to do something funny and interesting with it, it would be Paul Fee. Right. Right, right. You know? Yeah. So and he's definitely going to have a lot of women in it, for sure. Which yeah. It, yeah, and he'll definitely have a lot of women in it and all that stuff. So I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It, the other two shows we talked about, I knew how to feel about, I knew how to feel about each one. Right. This one is a really vague. Yep. It's just it's a British show. He's going to do it. It's a docu-comedy. Docu right. And I'm like, right. okay, I know what that is, but I don't know what this show is. Right. Neither. Yeah, um, I will go watch trailers of this country after yeah. this uh, and try to get a sense. And I imagine it'll be much different um, whenever yeah. it gets adapted. Um, have you seen or heard or consumed any comedy that's new or at least new to you that you'd like to recommend? Yeah, you know, what did I watch? Uh, well, one, I feel like... I I'm so dated on this, even though it came out That's during fine. quarantine. That's fine. I, I watched Bill Burr's Paper Tiger for the first time a week ago. Oh, sure. Cool. And I really enjoyed it. Right. Just, right. It just like, it really blew me away. I was just like, wow, this is really fucking funny. And it looks beautiful. It's shot right. really well. Right. Um, How do you I, feel? Oh, go on. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it just blew me away. I thought it was really great. I thought it was like a return to form for him. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I thought it was a real return to form. I thought it was it but he's growing as a like, person though in it because of it yeah. like being married and having a kid that's a much different build than like 10 years ago 
Yeah, much different. I mean, it, it was really interesting. He, he had a bit on it about like having to give up his dog. Mm-hmm. So because his dog was, you know, even it was a rescue and it had done some training, right. it, it would right. still snap at people. And it was a sacrifice he had to make in order to like have a family and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it was a very touching bit, but mm-hmm. also incredibly funny that I was like, damn, this is really good. I right. saw that. Um, you know what I've been watching? Um, I, I, I am, I'm enjoying it. It's on, it's an animated show on Fox called Bless Their Hearts. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Emily Spivey and Paula Bell, mm-hmm. I think, created it. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. funny. It's, it, it's about just like a working class Southern family in like North Carolina. Right. And it's like, it's pretty funny. Um, yeah. I just thought it was weird. I, I thought it's 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 as weird as a like network animation is gonna get, but it's also pretty funny. Cool. That yeah. also made me think that like the only uh, like the a good way for a comedy to not be set in L.A. or New York is for it to be animated. Yep. Yeah. Like that's Absolutely. kind of like the only way that's gonna happen. Or I think the only way for a show to be set in L.A. is that it doesn't have to make a spectacle about being in LA. Right. You know, like, I think that's what I'm interested in is that like a show that where LA is just a backdrop into these people's lives. So it's less about like the cliches of LA and just about like normal people living right. their lives yeah. in LA. Like to me, the perfect LA show mm-hmm. would be the kind of show where you know it's LA, but you yeah. never see you never see like the names of streets or anything. So, right. Like you just see you just see the the landscape for what it is. Right. Right. Yeah. I think I'm trying to think of a show that I think there is has been a show like that. But I can't think of it off the top of my head. What do you, so bless the hearts? How would you know because it's covering like a working class family? How would you like? I don't want to say stack, but like compare it to perhaps the Simpsons and uh, Family Guy and uh, Bob's Burgers and F is for Family. Well, I would probably compare it a little more to like something like F is for Family, possibly the Simpsons. I don't think it's like Family Guy because Family Guy does this thing where the jokes have nothing to do with the narrative. Uh, which I hate. I hate too. I, yeah. I'm not a fan of... I, yeah. I can... I can appreciate a joke here and there, but it's not a show that I ever cared to like really sit down and watch. Right. And bless their hearts is, I would say it's a little bit of the Simpsons right. in that it takes liberties with being an animation. Like they have a Jesus Christ character that like appears to this woman mm-hmm. and like, that's like, you know, it's meant to be surreal. And right. that's something you would probably see in a more like ungrounded show like the Simpsons or whatever. Right. But it, I think it lies somewhere between The Simpsons and King of the Hill. All right. All right. Yeah. Cool. I like it. It's not bad. And then what else did I watch? I watched Sam J. Oh, yeah. Three in the Morning is great. Three in the Morning. I watched her special and I really liked that a lot. I was was really, I watched it not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I and it genuinely made me laugh. She has a great timing. And like, I just thought, I mean, good for her. She's very funny. And the special was really funny. Yeah, absolutely. So Paper Tiger, Bless Their Hearts, 3 in the Morning. Great, great, great. Uh, mm. th- for me, uh, this just came out about two weeks ago, uh, How To with John Wilson. It's the new uh, HBO docuseries. Oh. Um, you know, the sort of big name that got attached was Nathan Fielder, who's attached as an executive producer. 
Um, and you can definitely feel the energy of Nathan being there. Uh, how to with John Wilson. Um, he, he's, John Wilson is very rarely on camera, but he's like sort of doing these overarching conceptual episodes of like how to do something, but within the, within it is like how to, you know, so many jokes and it goes so many different ways because he's talking to real people. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it's so out of left field as well. Like this, the episode that just got released this past weekend uh, was about um, scaffolding. And wow. Like, like the whole culture of scaffolding, the uh, philosophy that the, the, like why it exists, why does it really need to exist? Why is it so pro, uh, prolific around New York city? And, um, and I mean, it really makes you think and like, uh, you know, he, there's so many moments that I mean, I think it's literally him or like somebody else on camera just like capturing uh, vignettes of life around New York that are like weird or absurd. And, That's really cool. I'm gonna. I, I had I had not heard of this, and while you're talking about it, I just looked it up quickly. This looks fucking great, right? Yeah. Uh, in the first episode, I forget, I forgot what the focus was, but there was just like they. I mean, all these little moments that they catch. They caught a Kyle McLaughlin like trying to swipe his Metro card like over and over and over and it's like not working uh, <laughs> and they just have a little, they have a bunch of little moments like that um that fit uh quite kind of like uh perfectly with the um narration which um i don't know how much the john wilson um the titular character is like affecting his awkwardness but it definitely is like plays into the show but um i think it's somewhere like a cross between nathan for you and um Joe Parra talks with you or Joe talks with oh, you. I love Joe Parra talks with you. Yeah, it's great. And yeah, it's a very calming, calming show if that's what you're looking for. I love uh, that. Man. Look, yeah. I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch that tonight. Yeah, man. It's great. So it's streaming on HBO Max now. I uh, highly recommend that. Now on to you, man. Uh how you know, uh we were kind of talking pre-pod, but like how how is like your whole quarantine gone comedy wise? Like I remember seeing you do hot tub and then i just saw you do uh an outdoor show and it was happened at a baseball diamond uh or the bleachers rather at a park um you know you're about to you know co-headline an hbo latino special like you know how how all has all of it been for you Well, it's been, you know, it's kind of hard because on a, on a professional level, it's been hard because I felt like things were really happening for me comedically. Like, you know, I started doing a few headline shows here and there, nothing too crazy, just like an off night at a club in like Washington, D.C. or in El Paso or Phoenix, stuff like that. Right. And then, I, you know, I was starting to get a few more things and it felt like some forward momentum. And then fucking March happened. <laughs> like <laughs> quarantine happened. Right. And like part of me is that on a real like physical level and family wise, things are good. Everybody's being safe. I haven't gotten sick. Right. You know, I, I feel I feel stable enough, I suppose. Right. But you know, as somebody who was performing every night of the week, it's just holy shit, do I miss just like I miss just doing stand-up and I also miss being around friends. Like I miss, you know, it, you forget. I mean, in a real way, it makes you realize how much comedy gives you a Peter Pan lifestyle that like 
can be dangerous at times, you know, oh. because it force it makes you think that you're forever young and you know you're living in this state of usefulness when you're like when maybe you're not necessarily that young, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's but other than that, I've been okay. I mean, there's been a few things that kind of flubbed. I, I did this thing for Quibi <laughs> where uh, I did R. a show. R.I.P. Quibi. R.I.P. Quibi. I did a show where Will Smith presents a bunch of comedians. Oh, yeah. And this Joker? It was called This Joker. Yeah, 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 This Joker. And that was filmed that last year. That was fucking fun. I did it with some really cool comics like David Borey, Sam Talent, yeah. uh, Vanessa Gonzalez. Um, yeah. Rosebud Baker, uh, Rel Battle, really funny comedians. And I was like, oh, cool, that'll come out. And then it was really funny. From from March on, I've just been seeing every month it's a new thing about Quibi's not doing so good to <laughs> Quibi's doing really bad to yeah. I don't think Quibi's going to make it to yeah. Quibi is officially not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, if it never comes out what I did, that's okay. Mm -hmm. I, the experience was cool. It was mm -hmm. just, I was just hoping to, for people to see it just, you know, cause yeah. it's helpful as a comedian or whatever it helps your career, but yeah. it, it might go somewhere else. It might yeah. not, you know, yeah. whatever. You don't think Will Smith is big enough to have like, I don't know, Willowbrook Entertainment, his uh, yeah. company to like make their own proprietary streaming app. Well, this is my thought, is that I, my thought on it, it, it shouldn't even have gone on to Quibi. It should have gone to his Facebook page because sure. his Facebook yeah. page, like he has, or his YouTube channel gets like old school TV numbers. It gets like 20 million views and like, right, right. you know. Yeah. So That's what but, Kevin Hart did, man. With Yeah. The, yeah it's almost, it all fuels through his YouTube channel. Yeah. All views through. So had that going on. Uh, other than that, I've been performing a few a few times live which has mm -hmm. been really good it's recently or throughout the entirety of quarantine no recently like in the last two months right. in the last right. two months i've gotten i'll get like maybe two two live shows a month mm -hmm. which you know it's not too bad for the for the little sh live shows that there is i it it's it's always fun to perform mm -hmm. but it's I've never had, it's a sad feeling once it's done because you're like, well, this might not happen for another month or so. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Did you get reached out to out in the cold or like, did, did you sort of like, hey, I'm game for like outdoor shows? Because I've noticed the outdoor shows, a lot of the same people do them. And I think it's because it's like, oh, that person is like funny, they're notable, but also like they're down to do it. You know, I got reached out. I, I've been reached out. I, I'm not opposed to reaching out. Right. But I but I got reached out. And I think what happened was people saw that I was doing an outdoor show. And they said, okay, well, he seems game to do it. Right. You know, um, I have considered I have considered reaching out to somebody and saying, hey, uh, if you ever need somebody to do, if you ever need to fill up a slot, I would love to do it. Um, you know, I'll get tested. I'm pretty safe. Right. I take quarantine pretty seriously. And, yeah. you know, so yeah, I'm not opposed to it. That's cool. So when, when your first show back, um, how did that go? How did that make you feel? Like what was considering consideration yeah. going into it? You know, what was weird was my first show, it was, um, it was, it was not in LA city. It was in the County. 
but it was at, like in La Puente. Oh, okay. And, oh, was it in that mall? Yeah, yeah, in that, like in that like kind show? Of outdoor, yeah, yeah. Tony Klein and Ben Gonzalez. Yeah, their Goonies show. Yeah, and it it was outdoors on a restaurant patio, yeah. and it was really great because they had about thirty people there. People yeah. were pretty socially distant, and the stage was far from was at least like seven feet away from people. And they had a canopy over the whole patio, which Uh made it feel outdoors, indoors at the same time. What tripped me up is that was the first time I had done a live standup since the beginning of quarantine. And I didn't expect this to happen, but I wasn't used to talking. I had to do 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and I wasn't used to being on stage. My my mouth started getting dry. (laughs) Yeah, right. It and was you insane. Remember to like drink water or whatever. No, no, no. I totally forgot, and yeah. my mouth started getting dry, and I was like, "Holy shit! I'm forgetting how to do, like, but yeah, just how to do this." Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a, it was a really fun set. Uh, I I felt like I had a really, I felt like I had a good set, and I had a lot of fun. But it was, it was crazy. Halfway during it, I was like, luckily I took a water bottle up there with me, mm-hmm. and that was the. During in the middle of that set was the first time I had had water before, like during my set or before. Right. But the act of just talking for 15 minutes mm-hmm. dried my mouth up because I hadn't done it in such a long time. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah. But felt like people were really into it. Like I I try to do a mix of stuff that was like mm-hmm. quarantine related. Right. And then I and then everything else was just kind of stuff that might be evergreen right. and like. And I felt it, I didn't want to, I did anytime I've done a live show is I want to address the elephant in the room, but I don't want to spend my whole set talking about it. Sure. Sure. You know, right. and I've seen, I've seen some comics do it mm-hmm. and it's, it goes either way. It either goes really well or people are like, all right, we all know this. We're living through it, you know? Right. Yeah. It depends yeah. on your approach, your attitude about it. Um, I mean, people do feel tense at this time. I remember one of the outdoor shows I went to, I saw John Renitsky go up and like John said, uh, yeah, this whole time I haven't like written anything um, at all. Uh, Like literally the only thing I have written down is like, remember how stuff was a thing? And like that got a big laugh. That's funny. Yeah. I've been writing just because I've, I've been doing Zoom shows. Sure. So and you, you love writing. I know yeah, you, I you're it. a comic that like does, like you get a lot out of the act of sitting down and writing. writing. Yeah, I really do. So I, you know, and Twitter is a good writing tool for me. Like I'll right. usually tweet something and if I can see if, if it has legs based off right. of Twitter sometimes, and right. then I'll, I'll try to expand that. Right. And, um, yeah, I just like writing anyway. So it's like, especially because I like being on Twitter as far as like, I like using that as a joke writing tool. Right. It's like, I've been able to have like, like five to eight minutes that are like quarantine or like this, right. that are related to this time. Right. Do you open with it or do you work towards it? Uh, I, I open with, I open with like two to three quarantine jokes that aren't that long. That, that I've done in a few live shows that I know work. So I'll do those. And then I'll, and then, then I'll go into like tried and tested material. Right. And then so, somewhere in the middle, I'll try something. I'll try to sandwich it in there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and th- that's really worked out for you? Yeah, I, I feel like it is. I'm, like I'll test it just like any new material, which is like 
test it in the middle, you right. know, like treat, treat it like you're doing new material on a show, which is right. you never open with it. You just sort of sandwich it somewhere in the middle. Right. You know, so yeah. Yeah. It's been working for me. I, I, I like it. Right. Um, you know, do you feel an obligation because of I, it just, I mean, this year is so crazy. I mean, arguably, I, I, I'm going to wager that I have a lot more years left on my life, but I think even now I could safely say this is like top five worst years of my life. Oh, yeah. Um, do you feel an obligation to be more topical or more present with like even observations? You know, like I've been at Zoom mics or even like live shows and people like will talk, do their fucking Uber joke from a year ago and I'm like, I don't care about this and this rings so false so dated. yeah yeah it feels dated yeah you're right it's funny the way i decided to talk about what we're going on is i try to make it less observational which general mm -hmm. observations because i because i think what's going to happen is people are going to stumble onto the same sort of jokes if you're making it that way but if i if i if i write a joke about how i'm experiencing it like how me and my girlfriend are experiencing quarantine together yeah. and and how my my personal life is to it i go i'm more it's i'm less likely to like it, it it makes me excited to write that joke because i know i'm less likely to do a joke that somebody else might be doing that's right. sim very similar right yeah like yeah, yeah that's the joke i the joke i remember from your set at the outdoor show is about like how you don't like how the beaches are open right now. And that, you know, is a sort of misdirect because yeah. you're for a very personal reason. Yeah. It's a very, for, for a personal reason, which is my, my girlfriend loves to swim and I can't swim. So, you know, <laughs> if, if she's drowning in the ocean, I'm going to have to watch a better man go and save her. And that better right. man is a lifeguard. Yeah. And it, you know, yeah. so it's like, so it, yeah, I just thought about it like that. Like, cause we re during, during some part of quarantine, we went to the beach mm -hmm. and, I remember the whole time she was in there enjoying the ocean and I'm like, what are you fucking doing? I, you know, I can't swim. And I just remember thinking, I go, why don't they fucking close these beaches back up again? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, so doing, doing it that way is pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Also like I'm a firm believer that nobody's going to write a better quarantine joke than Sam Morell is doing on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Do you remember and, one? You know, I don't remember one specifically, but every time I see one of his like topical jokes about quarantine, right. they're always really great and funny and like. Well, that guy's a machine, dude. Yeah, the machine. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, like he's one of those people. I think that like they almost are at a point of where they think in jokes. Mm hmm. Like they yeah. just—that's how they process like information throughout the world. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the school of a tell. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. the school of a tell. It's just these great, like, they think in jokes and like, they got, they got them ready. I love it. I mean, it's, I, I really do respect it. And yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about, um, Entre Nos. Oh, that was interesting. So that, man, it takes things such a while to come out. Right. I filmed that, uh, over a year ago, October of last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. October of last year, they reached out to me and said, Hey, we would love for you to do it. Would you be open to it? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Why not? You know, it's like, um, I've known comedians, some really funny comedians like Vanessa Gonzalez did it. Yep. yep. Uh, Ram Ramon Rivas. Yep. Um, Jesus Trejo, 
mm-hmm. um, who, Frankie Quinones. Right. So right. some really funny comedians that have done it, and I just thought, yeah, I'll do it, but sure. And right. then um, it was really cool because I didn't know who I was going to be paired with, and told me, oh, you're going to be paired with this comedian named Ian Lara from New York. Right. So I looked him up, and I saw his Tonight Show set, and right. I was like, he he's kind of of that like Sam Morel school of jokes where it's just like they think in jokes and I was like I was like oh great I love that I'm being paired with a guy like this right. and um it was really cool we filmed it last year uh here in LA mm-hmm. in mid-city oh, and cool. um yeah it was a it was a good turnout it was like it was re- it was really cool mm-hmm. it was really cool you know it's funny there was like there was some overlap between that and the and the Quibi thing I did for Will Smith right and it was so funny. They told me you can't do the same material that you're doing on that show that you can on this. Yeah. I realized it really doesn't fucking matter. I should have done what I wanted to do. Oh, no, you should. I, I actually, to that point, uh, Eric Andre, when um, he first started doing like sets on late night, he did the same material probably on four to five different late night shows. Mm-hmm. And like no one batted an eye. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because the like the set on this Joker was like a six or eight minute set, and the set on this one was like an eleven minute set. So it still would have been different. Right. But I really, I'd really try to make my way to differentiate it a lot more. And right. I think my what sucks about it is that I think my this Joker set has tighter jokes, and right. that's not coming out. Right. Where I should have done the tighter jokes on my HBO, right. HBO Latino thing. Uh-huh. Although I'm still proud of it. I'm still like, it's, you know, I, I realize now that I, I have such a low self-esteem that I'm shitting on something I was just in. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you know, I actually wanted to talk about that. Do you have a feeling about like, it's, so it's HBO Latino, not HBO. Or, I mean, it will be streaming on HBO Max, but it won't yeah. mirror on HBO. Yeah. Well, it was kind of funny because I just, I thought to myself, in that regard, when they reached out to me, I just said, well, this would be cool if this was just on HBO. Like, I'd hate to pigeonhole myself. But then when I found out that it's like on HBO Max as well, and mm-hmm. I just thought, you know what? HBO Max is becoming a thing that a lot more people are having. Right. And it, it's, you know, it's going to become a, it, it'll be just, it'll become something like Netflix right. and Hulu and stuff. So I said, that's okay. And the fact that I just thought to myself, I'm like, well, I actually don't mind it because if if a bunch of Latinos if if you have a Latino audience right. who may who is watching me and maybe I'm not normally the type of comedian they're gonna watch right I think that's great because they might end up liking me sure. and they you know and they as where maybe they're more used to a little more like on the nose kind of Latino comedian who right. George Lopez Paul Rodriguez George Lo- yeah who, who I like I like those guys but you know. Um, if they're used to that and they see me on this thing because it's HBO Latino and they're able to be like, oh, I like this guy. It's a little bit different than from right. what I'm used to, but I really like it. Right. Uh, I think it's great. So I, I actually, I kind of see it as a thing that like can, can like convert people and sure. also like, you know, yeah, like get people to see comedy in a different way or like, you know, yeah. That's good. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just curious about like, you know, I think, in the short term, that could be helpful and useful in highlighting, uh, you know, voices and uh, that have been marginalized. But like down the road, 
I mean, should it, it should be just like on HBO, right? And it, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Down the road, I think things like that should be on HBO. And uh, it will just be normalized that like, it's, you, you know, that you're just being a comedian that's funny that rather than like, oh, he's the Latino guy who's really funny. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it was one of those choices where I made where I said, you know, the short term, I, I don't mind doing this because I am in the spot where short term I could use this. It'll give me a clip. It'll, in a real way, it's kind of nice because, you know, I, I'm able to have some eyes on me during quarantine. Right. But also, in a real way, look, I made some money from it. I got paid for it. And so the short term of it was helpful. The long term thing of it, it's like, you know, I think to myself, I'm a fairly young comedian and like, I'm pretty, you know, it's like, uh, hopefully the plan is to do things that are just not HBO Latino. But if this is the first step, I I don't mind it. Yeah. It's not, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. 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 It sounds good, man. Uh, I mean, I'm just happy that you got it because I think people deserve to see your comedy on a bigger platform. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, like, I I think it just will be uh, a beginning stepping stone uh, to bigger things. All of this is really just leading up to me, for you and me to pitch friends. Friends. The show about friends. Right, right, right. And then they're going to be like, don't you want to call it Amigos? Yeah. And then I go, no, no, no. Maybe this is the title. A show about friends. That's the title. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you have to spell things out for people. And oh, that's what I oh want. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You have to. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I remember when, when Friends, the first time Friends came, I saw a commercial for the TV show Friends. Right. I did it. I was like, what is this about? I am not exactly sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's, I, I just thought to myself, I don't know that this title is telling me completely everything. Right. But if you have a show title called A Show About Friends, what what is the show about? Uh-huh. What's right. it about? Right. Fra- exactly. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. from HBO Latino to selling selling our show to uh-huh. the BBC. That's where right. I want to go. Right. Yeah, that is uh all, all Americans hanging out at a at a pub. At a pub. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> They'll buy it if it's very anti-American. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, they love that. <laughs> yeah. As long as yeah, as long as like the the friends are like Eddie Pepitone and uh, the ghost uh, of uh, Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks, Lee Camp. Um, oh, who else? Oh, we have to have a British person in there too. Stuart Lee. <laughs> Stuart Lee would be great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'll be it. Uh, I want to ask you, we've been saying Latino the whole time. I'm pretty sure you have a bit about this. Um, Latino versus Latinx? Do you have thoughts? Do you have feelings? Um, You know, I don't, I actually don't have a bit about it, but I do have thoughts on it, which is, I, you know, there was a a Pew Research, the Pew Research did a survey that Mm -hmm. most people, most people prefer Latino Hispanic. Right. Um, I think, I think, I I don't have a problem with it, but I think Latinx is part of like sort of a more educated elite. And, you know, I I think it's part of like Twitter language and stuff like that. 
which is not a problem. I, I don't like, so, so for example, from my understanding, um, Latinx, the mm -hmm. X is to, to not gender the language. So for example, yeah. if, if you consider yourself gender neutral, mm -hmm. um, then you would use the X or if, for example, for a group of men and women, Right. To not classify the group as men, you would say a group of Latinx people or whatever. Right. Um, right. Me personally, I consider myself Latino, not because I'm not, not as a snide to Latinx, but because right. I, because I do identify as a man. Right. And, right. but, um, but if, if somebody, if I was in a, you know, if somebody was, if I was in a group setting or a group mm -hmm. of people and somebody said, oh, those Latinx people there, they right. would not be wrong. I mean, right. if, if it's a group of men and women, if they want to, if they want to not gender the group, that's right. okay. I don't have a problem with it. I also don't have a problem with people calling themselves Latinx. I mean, if right. whatever fucking makes you happy. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, actually I would think about in the interest of brand strategy unity, HBO yeah. Latinx sounds closer to HBO Max. Mm? You're right. You're absolutely right. Now this goes on to my other idea. Uh -huh. Is that we t we get jobs in the HBO uh, mailroom, uh -huh. and and we start and we work there from the bottom up for the next fifteen to twenty years, and then take over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You want to do it that way? Yeah. Okay. I want to do it that way. All right. It's the way that they least expect it. <laughs> because nobody does that anymore. Because nobody does that anymore, and they don't ex they'll, they'll never see it coming, and uh -huh. that's because they'll probably be gone by the time we take over. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we need a yeah, we, we need a HBO of Latinx Philippine X. Philippine X. Oh, yeah, that even sounds weirder. I know that people say that, uh, Philippine X. You know what's funny about that is that, like, uh, uh, Filipino people who, um, you know, uh, Tagalog is their first language and then they learn English, they often have trouble with gender pronouns because uh, mm. they don't have gender pronouns in Tagalog. Uh, a lot oh, of they don't. Well, yeah. That's actually... Yeah, no, like, my grandma, uh, well, who was uh, Filipino, she would confuse he and she all the time. Oh, wow. See, that's actually interesting because talk about a language that's already gender neutral. That's right. like already, yeah. Right. That's how progressive they are. Yeah, that's the one of the few things that they're progressive. They're pretty regressive about so many other things, but. Yeah. I don't know, I thought, I thought that, I thought their president seems like a cool guy. Oh yeah, the guy who wore the the only head of state that wears bowling shirts in like yeah. fucking public appearances. What a fucking crazy du Duarte! What a fucking yeah, yeah. insane yeah. dude, man. Yeah, Duterte is like he thinks he's John Wayne as yeah. a president, and yeah. that's terrifying. Yeah, oh, we should. Yeah, we should we should go to the Philippines and pitch our show, a show about friends, to, mm -hmm. to in the okay. Philippines. Oh, in the Philippines? Yeah. Yeah. But make sure it shows the real Philippines. Unlike Joe Coy. Did you see Joe Coy's special where it was like he featured like uh, Andrew Lopez and uh, Andrew Arofo and like. I, gave, I haven't seen it. So it's like half stand up, like a half stand up showcase and then half like a, a, a promo video for the Philippines yeah. showing like the Filipino culture 
with like the food and like, oh, look at the song, the music and the dancers and all this. And um, they really don't like cover a lot of the poverty and how Duterte is like a dictator. And yeah. you know, they have this huge like human rights issue because he like he deputized everybody to kill druggies and you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he's a psychopath. Um, yeah, yeah they really gloss that. over that. I know, that's so funny. That is hilarious. I like to imagine that it, it plays on the TV screens of Air Philippines when you're flying mm -hmm. over there. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, yeah, it probably does. It probably does. Oh, man. I'll yeah. check it out, though. But, yeah, I, I could imagine they they probably don't focus on that guy too much. No. No, 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 no. They don't want to do that. He's bad news, but, yeah, they don't want to do that. And what's sad is he still has a strong approval rating because, like, I don't know. The, the the Philippines has such a history of being subjugated by so many colonial powers in so many countries. It's yeah. like, it's just corrupt to its core. And it's not the fault of the people. Because no, they're, no. they're good people. But yeah, the, the power structures that are just been in there have like been so deeply rooted in how corrupt they are. It's I, I can't imagine even in my own lifetime that it'll be, get better. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's sort of, you sort of see this like the same in Mexico. I mean, I think the president they have now is a pretty good guy. Like right. he's a kind of a socialist guy, pretty, pretty good guy. But I mean, I, even he's having a hard time and yeah. He's, Cause you know, he's trying to give away his plane and he can't. And he can't. Yeah. He's just like, <laughs> I don't want to be this classist. I, we can save money. And mm -hmm. it's like, he's being the most practical guy on earth and people are calling him a piece of shit for that. <laughs> right. right. So awful. Oh man. It's, yeah. Um, I think we've reached the end of the app. Uh, thank you so much uh, yeah, for coming out, man. Yeah. Um, where can people find you online? Is there anything else you'd like to promote? Yeah. Well, online, I'm at uh, on Twitter. I'm at Chris Estrada eighty five, and mm -hmm. then on Instagram, I'm Chris Estrada Comic. Mm -hmm. And you know, I got a YouTube clip. A Comedy Central YouTube clip if anybody wants to check that out or okay. if they want to check out uh, if they got HBO Max um, that show uh, my Entre Nos uh, co-headline special with Ian right. Lara will be on there November 12th so right. yeah check yeah. that out yeah please please check that out um, I uh, am Jake Kroger I founded and run the Comedy Bureau you can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com and at the Comedy Bureau on socials. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at not the supermarket and on Twitter at MFJ Kroger. Um, there are a lot of great uh, causes to support at this time, uh, especially on uh, you know post-election day. Uh, there's plenty of work to be done no matter who wins. Um, but if you have money and generosity left after that, uh, please, I'd ask to support the Comedy Bureau because I do uh, need it. Um, all of the, the places that you can support us will be in the show notes for this episode. Do you have anything you'd like to say as we sign off here, Chris? Oh, you know what? Fucking call your friends. Go on. Uh, you know, if you feel lonely, call your friends. Wear a mask. Go, go, go for a walk. Go with your right. friends to walk. It's like, you know, if we can't, I think we're all used to hanging out at bars or at restaurants. Right. But like, go on a hike. Go call a friend and go out for a walk. Right. It'll make you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Solid, solid, solid advice. Uh, as I like to say at the end of every episode, comedy is still happening. And as the great Brody Stevens would say, 
Enjoy it. Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.